New York Giants in their first preseason game of the 2023 season unfortunately fall 21-16 to the Detroit Lions. Welcome back to the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast, everybody. Hit the like button on YouTube, subscribe, turn on the notification bell, do all the good stuff. Also, if you are listening on podcast platforms, please give us a five-star review. But here we are back again doing another podcast episode. We're going to get into everything, stats overview. Um, We got offense and defensive takeaways, special teams too, because unfortunately that played a big role and not in a good way. And then we'll talk about roster bubble players at the end as well. Maybe some overreactions that Giants fans may have and whether they're valid or not after one game. But I'm just going to say this before we get into all the other good stuff. Um, this was a game where you do ring the bell in terms of concerns for the depth on this roster. Now, you guys know me. If you've been listening to me, watching me, however long, you know I'm not a negative Nancy when it comes to the New York Giants. The Yankees is a different story. But when it comes to the New York Giants, I'm a positive guy, but I also will keep it 100 with you. I will tell you the truth. And there's not a ton of positives you can take away from this game. Now, are a lot of these mistakes fixable? Yeah. We got two weeks to fix it up, plus the extra week before week one. But before then, the New York Giants will need to retool in certain areas for depth reasons. Or else, if a starter goes down, the Giants may not be for long a winning team if they start out the season that way they may start out losing we don't know but i just want to say this real quickly before we get into the stats i do want to give a shout out to our sponsor SeatGeek. we are now sponsored by the ticket vendors also known as SeatGeek, looking to go to a concert a giants game a ball game in general and also for anyone who does the metlife parking passes they're also available on SeatGeek, but they have to be above $50 for the promo code to work. But you could get $20 off your entire order with the promo code Big Blue in the Bronx. That's Big Blue in the Bronx, nothing abbreviated, just the channel and podcast name. So stats-wise, let's get into it. New York passing game, Tommy DeVito, 15-24, to 155 yards, a touchdown and a pick, five sacks taken, Tyrod Taylor, three of seven, excuse me, three of four for seven yards. Nate Sudfeld, who got most of the work in at quarterback for the Detroit Lions, two picks, 15 to 28, 194 yards. Adrian Martinez, four of seven, 37 yards, took one sack. The Giants rushing game, we'll talk about it more extensively, but it was not there. Deshaun Corbin, three carries, 40 yards. The longest he had was a 33-yard carry, so after all, it is two carries for seven yards. Four carries for 11 yards for Tommy DeVito. Six carries, nine yards for James Robinson. Five carries, nine yards for Eric Gray. One carry for one yard for Matt Breida. The Detroit rushing game had a little bit more success, but that's not by much. Uh, Divine Ozigbo, 11 carries, 31 yards, 2.8 yards per carry. Benny Snell, the former Steelers, six carries, 23 yards, 3.8 yards per carry. Jameer Gibbs, six carries, 19 yards, 8.2 yards per carry. And then Mohamed Ibrahim, the rookie undrafted free agent out of Minnesota, four carries, total of nine yards, 2.3 yards per carry. 
In terms of leading receivers, not going to go into all the receivers, but leading receivers for both sides, David Sills, two catches, 36 yards. Cole Beasley, four catches, 33 yards. Jamison Crowder, two catches, 32 yards. And Khalil Pimbleton, two catches for 15 yards. Tommy Sweeney also had a 14-yard reception for a touchdown. And then you take a look at the Detroit receiving game. Chase Coda had a big day, four catches, 60 yards. James Mitchell, three catches, 53 yards, and then Antoine Green, three receptions, 36 yards, along with a couple of one-reception guys. You take a look at the defensive side of the ball. The lead tackler for the Giants was Alex Cook, the undrafted free agent out of Washington who played really well. I'll, I'll get into him later. But quarterback hits, tackles for loss, getting into that now. Deshaun Bauer had a tackle for loss and a pass deflection along with five tackles. Deontay Johnson had a quarterback hit. Habakkuk Baldonado, who we'll get into, one sack, three tackles, one tackle for a loss, a pass deflection, and a quarterback hit. Should have been two sacks, but the refs are soft nowadays in the NFL. Cordell Flott, one uh, pass deflection. Javarius Owens, a pass deflection. Jason Pinnock, two pass deflections, a tackle for a loss, and an interception. Dane Belton with an interception as well. And Troy Brown with a pass defended and Tamon Fox with two quarterback hits. The Giants totaled six quarterback hits and one sack on defense. Also three tackles for loss and eight passes defended. You take a look at the Detroit side of the ball in terms of defense. One pass deflection for Jack Campbell with four tackles. One tackle for a loss for Jalen Reeves-Maben. Julian Aquara had the day of his life. Probably the best day he's had in the NFL. He's had... A career just sidelined by injuries. Three quarterback hits, three tackles for loss, three tackles, three sacks. Brandon Joseph, the rookie undrafted free agent at Notre Dame, he had a tackle for a loss and a pass deflection. Brian Branch, tackle for a loss. Levi Umuzuriki with a tackle for a loss. Let's see what else we got in here. His brother, Romeo Aquara, former Giant, two tackles, two quarterback hits, a tackle for a loss, and a sack. Benito Jones had a sack, a tackle for a loss, and also a regular tackle. Maurice Alexander, he also had a touchdown, but we'll get into that even though he's a defensive back. Isaiah Bugs, he had a pass deflection as well at a tip pass in the game. Tay Hayes, pass deflection. Khalil Dorsey, pass deflection. John Kaminsky and Malcolm Rodriguez also had tackles for a loss. And then we'll go to team stats before we get into the basic takeaways which will be much of a longer segment. First downs, the Lions had 19, the Giants had 13. They had 12 passing first downs, the Giants had 9. They had 6 rushing first downs, the Giants had 1. Giants had 3 first downs from penalties, and the Detroit Lions had 1. Giants were 2 for 13 on third down, the Detroit Lions were 7 for 15, the Giants were 0 for 2 on fourth, they were 1 for 3. They ran 69 plays, Giants ran 55 total yards, they had 328 Giants had 243. Giants had 12 total drives, 11 for the Detroit Lions. Yards per play, 4.4 for the Giants, 4.8 for the Detroit Lions. Turnovers, the Detroit Lions had two, the Giants had one. Defensive special teams touchdowns, we all know what happened, so that goes to the Detroit Lions. Red zone attempts, Giants were one for two, Detroit was one for three. And then possession time, Detroit 33-12 to NYG's 26-48. Now, let's slip into the offense. The story of the offense is they struggled mightily. 
they struggled mightily. That's no, you know, sugarcoating. That's just spinach straight facts. That's not being negative either. They struggled mightily. They could not move the football. And you guys are going to hear me talk as if it was a real game because these are guys trying to make the roster. They're tr trying to do what they can and all that sort of good stuff. But I have to tell it like it is. The offense could not move the ball. They totaled, let's see, 13 points in the first half, three points in the second half, and the only real touchdown they got was off of a turnover, the turnover being Dane Belton's interception, which was a 41-yard return. They had the Jason Pinnock pick, which was returned for 12 yards. They couldn't move the ball off of that. I thought Tyrod Taylor's really struggled. And then you also had the fourth down incompletion. Thank you, Jason Pinnock, once again for knocking it out of Sam Laporta's hands. And they couldn't score off of that. I mean, they got the field goal, but six points at the end of two drives. Brian Dable was beyond frustrated with the offense. And that's not what you like to see. Um, once again, it's depth, guys. I understand that. But you have to chalk it up as it's a real game. And there are serious depth concerns with this football team. Um, Tommy DeVito, I thought, outplayed Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, he missed a few throws here and there. And I was really concerned, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I was really concerned about Mr. Tommy DeVito because um, he looked confused in training camp. Like, he didn't know where to go with the football, a lot of throwaways, a lot of taking sacks, you know, just bad pocket presence. But yesterday, but yesterday, he did a very good job. He did a very good job for what was expected of him. Now, he's not going to sit there and take Tyrod Taylor's role. He's not going to do that because he's an undrafted free agent. You would not him you would not want him in the game over Tyrod Taylor. Obviously, we don't want to even come to the conclusion or even the situation of Tyrod Taylor being in a game because that would mean Daniel Jones is hurt or he's playing awful, or it's a blowout game, whatever the situation may be. But DeVito, once again, I thought he did well. 15-24, 155, one touchdown interception is remarked on. Five sacks taken and four carries for 11 yards. So total on the ground and in the air. Scrimmage yards, 166 yards. Again, not bad, but the offense just could not move the ball. They could not. And once again, it was a problem, and there's a lot of – Little problems that made it a big problem. Uh, if you want to talk about positives, I thought Cole Beasley and Jameson Crowder increased their worth as roster bubble players. They were really the only guys, I would say, that stood out to me on offense in terms of skill position players. I thought the offensive, the offensive performance was that bad. Um, Jameson Crowder, Cole Beasley, those are guys that are coming in. They... Came in with the injuries of Shep and the injuries, you know, the injury to Wondell Robinson, which we hope to get him back soon. But Crowder, he can do a little special teams. Beasley, not so much anymore because he's 34, 35 years old. But they look good. I will say that. They look good. DeVito felt comfortable throwing it and slinging it to Beasley and Crowder. Beasley had a nice route and then spun out of it for a first down Jameson Crowder had two catches over the middle so they could still burn guys both are above 30 years old but they could still burn guys and if nobody in this young receiver room steps up for the New York Giants it's gonna go to either Crowder or Beasley or maybe both because 
I will mention this. Colin Johnson left the game with an ankle injury, it looked to be. And if he is out for the next game, you could likely say he is not going to make this roster. Practice squad, maybe. But you could likely say if he is out the next game, he's not going to make the roster. And it's a shame because I really like Colin Johnson. I really liked him. Solid receiver, solid build, decent speed for a big guy. But, you know, the best players, survival of the fittest, that's what it has to be. And we're going to get into some of the negative, but I also want to mention shout-outs to our second-round rookie, JMS. I thought he played really well. I didn't really see any struggling snaps. I thought the first team, which was really the mixture of the first and second team O-line, I thought they played well enough, not great. Uh, I thought Ben Bredesen struggled just a tad. I would like to see Zudu more on film, and then, of course, we know with the tackles. We'll talk about that a little later. However, with that being said, JMS was the best O-lineman. He was the best O-lineman out there. I don't know if he was better than any Lions O-lineman, but what I will say is JMS was the best Giants O-lineman, and a round of applause for him. First game in the NFL. I thought the rookies overall did a nice job for the New York Giants. We'll talk about defense in a separate thing, but JMS was the best O-lineman. Going back to the receiver room, I thought this guy really struggled. Bryce Ford Wheaton, he was hyped up coming in, oh, this undrafted free agent who makes a ton of plays, whatever, and we saw some of the same issues from college really lean over into this game for Bryce Ford Wheaton. He had a key drop. Now, the defender was really up on him. He was pressed up on him, man-to-man coverage, that's what we expect at the NFL level right you know it's not going to be some just uh ride through the park but he wanted to catch the ball with his body not his hands and we know in the NFL you can't do that you can't do that um also there was a big pass interference penalty where he just shoved the guy out of his way and that ended up going on the offense that was 10 to 15 yards back that's not really how you make a roster spot and he played a role later on on something that I could agree lost the Giants the game in terms of momentum we'll talk about that but dropped the pass he also fell down on a throw from Tommy DeVito now it was not a good throw because it was bouncy and he was throwing from a collapsing pocket but Bryce Ford Wheaton fell down on his route and once again that's not a good look just saying it for starters I thought the running back room was very unproductive. Now, we could also attribute that to the offensive line. But Eric Gray didn't really excite me this game. Didn't really excite me this game. Yes, it's his first NFL game unofficially. I know that. But he looked kind of slow. Looked kind of slow a little bit. You know, a little bit more patient. And just too patient in my opinion. And didn't take the yards that were there. Once again, the offensive line was not very good, but even on returns, Gray didn't have the best speed. And you could attribute that, yes, just like the offensive line to the kick return coverage, but not an impressive debut from Eric Gray. And to be fair, I'm not trying to take a victory lap here, but one of my concerns with Eric Gray being drafted by the Giants were his speed. 
at the Senior Bowl, he didn't look fast as he did in college with Oklahoma. We'll see what happens. I'm not going to sit here and say he's a bust already because I would be fraudulent for that. Gary Brightwell did not play, so James Robinson got some reps, and boy, did he look awful. He didn't look good. There was one play where JMS had a hole for him, and he just went right. And once again, one of my concerns, James Robinson being slow, had a good season a couple of years ago with the Jaguars, but that's far in the rearview mirror right now. Last year with the Jets, they traded for him after the Brees Hall injury. He was not good. He was not good. James Robinson signs with the Patriots this offseason, gets cut due to a physical mishap or whatever the case was, and now he's with Big Blue, but he didn't look good. He didn't look good, and he really hasn't been stunning in camp either. So I think that injury a few years ago really has taken him by the balls, but that doesn't mean we make excuses and say he should make a roster spot. He did not look good. Overall, I think he had six carries for nine yards. That's not going to get it done. That's not going to get it done. But I will say the best running back that was in the room, he did spout off for 33 yards, was Deshaun Corbin. And I thought he could have gotten some burn in the return game, whether it's punts or kicks, because the Giants really needed something back there. But Deshaun Corbin, I thought, was the best looking back. Now, does that mean he's going to make the roster? No. The Giants could sit there and say, look, we'll bring somebody in from the outside or whatever the case may be. But I thought he was the best looking back in the room, not just because he had a big run. I mean, Sandra Plattsgummer had a big run two years ago, and I would not say he was the best back in the room. But again, Deshaun Corbin, I thought he looked the fastest. He was very decisive, and that's a good thing in terms of picking the holes that were very limited. So I honestly would like to see him rotate a little bit more with the ones. James Robinson and Gary Brightwell and all these other cats, they've been rotating with the ones. So Deshaun Corbin, I'd like to see him with the ones a little bit next week against the Panthers. I'm considering going to that game, by the way. But some more things as well. Um, you know what? Let's just cut right to the chase. The offensive line. Holy Jesus, did they look terrible. Now, the first team, which was mixed with the second teamers, didn't look bad. I mean, they gave up one sack. Fine, whatever. But the Giants need to slam the panic button at the waiver wire. They really do. And you know what? I would actually go as far to say the New York Giants need to cut those two players and start bringing in other tackles, whether they're undrafted free agents, solid veterans, whatever the case may be, because you don't want to wait it out. This is my personal opinion. You could call an overreaction if you want. You don't want to wait it out. Cut these guys when 53 cutdowns are coming. What is it? It's August 29th. And then just say, okay, waiver wire, we're going to bring these guys in as the backup tackles, whatever. And then they play crap for your team. I'm not going to sit here and say Joe Shane's an awful GM or go off the deep end. But we know damn well that Corey Cunningham and Wyatt Davis looked god awful. God awful. Cunningham gave up three sacks. Wyatt Davis gave up one. Wyatt Davis and Corey Cunningham. Yes, I get it. They are mostly guards. Cunningham is better as a guard. Wyatt Davis played guard for most of his NFL career at 
you know, when it came to Minnesota, the games he did play, or I think he played a game in New Orleans. He may have also played a couple of games with the Arizona Cardinals, but something needs to be done. Something needs to be done. And even then, I would not want Corey Cunningham as a swing tackle. I would not want Wyatt Davis as a swing tackle. I wouldn't want them as swing guards. So I'm not going to say, you know, you need to trade for all sorts of linemen or whatever the case may be. But that's not going to get it done. That's not going to get it done. Tyree Phillips is injured, and he didn't look the best in camp. He did not look the best in camp. He was getting beat out by Matt Pear. He had some reps where Tamon Fox totally destroyed him. And he's a veteran in this league. So you could either point it to two things. Number one, that Bobby Johnson and Brian Dable and Mike Kafka are putting these guys in the wrong positions because Cunningham could be a guard. Wyatt Davis we know is a guard. Or the Giants need O-line depth. These guys can play the positions, but they're playing it poorly. And I would tend to go with the second one Jack Anderson didn't see a lot out of him overall once again the offensive line just was terrible Shane Lemieux I'd have to go back and look at the tape I forget who played right guard it wasn't Tyree Phillips actually was Sean Harlow but again you might see some guys come in from the waiver wire but you also may see some guys in general just stay on the roster that you did not expect Shane Lemieux, as crazy as this may sound, might make the roster because of the lack of depth. Sean Harlow, I predicted him to make the initial 53. He may stay on because of the lack of interior depth and the lack of depth on this offensive line. Matt Parrott didn't look too good at tackle. Looked okay, but he may stay on because they cannot find somebody on the waiver wire. And they couldn't have any success with Corey Cunningham or Wyatt Davis so that's as far as the offense goes now let's go to the defense where you do have more positives but there's also some teetering negatives in there I believe the safety room is full of monsters and it all starts with the opposite starting safety in Jason Pinnock boy did Pinnock have a hell of a first quarter first play of the game interception I was so hyped I was screaming at my tv then you have the tackle for a loss, which is the first play on the next drive for Detroit after the field goal. Tackle for a loss for three yards. I believe Jameer Gibbs was the running back. If it wasn't, somebody else. And then when they're going for it on fourth down, testing game situations, it looks like Laporta catches it. He doesn't. The pass is broken up. By who, you ask? Jason Pinnock. Pinnock has had a wonderful camp this far. And... I don't think there's going to be a legitimate, concise, this guy plays 90% of the snaps type of safety, other than Xavier McKinney. But Pinnock has definitely shown he needs to get majority of the snaps come regular season, unless he just totally plummets from here. Now we move on to the second safety, and that's Dane Belton. Another interception, playing centerfield safety, gives the Giants confidence, not just that this defense can make more plays on the ball because they were last in the league last year in interceptions. However, go back to Belton. Oh, he's just a box safety, oh, just a special teamer, this and the other thing. If he plays deep safety like that, ball hawking, like the interception he had last year against the Eagles, 
like the interception he had last year against the Texans, that gives you confidence that you can move these pieces around on defense, that you could do whatever with the corners, whatever with the safeties, have a three-safety tandem. But also this. But also this. There's two guys that also stood out to me, besides the starting two. I thought Bobby McCain played well. I didn't see him in many coverage situations, despite him being a former corner. But I thought he played well in terms of box safety. And I will say the same thing for Alex Cook. A couple of plays in the box for those two. And I'm going out on a limb here, putting this on the table. Could Nick McLeod be cut from the New York Giants? He's injured right now. So we could think back to the Colin Johnson injury and Beasley and Crowder maybe making the roster over him. Yeah, McLeod had a ton of experience last year with the Giants, playing corner, doing all these different things, also playing on special teams. Alex Cook has had plenty of experience on special teams going back to his UDFA, going back to his days as a Washington Husky. I think he blocked the punt and also he stopped a fake punt too. You go back to the highlights. Bobby McCain also could play special teams. So I would just look out for that. Bobby McCain, Alex Cook, those guys. Now, Cook, I don't think he's going to make the roster. I could be very well wrong if he starts exploding in the next two weeks. McCain, I think, is a serious threat to make the roster. But I think the Giants, what you can say about this game is that you are confident in that safety depth. At least I am. I don't know if you guys are. You guys tell me in the comments, whatever. I think the Giants have solid safety depth. Now, I'm going to move to a little bit more negative in a sec, but I do want to remark on Deontay Banks played great. He played really well in the snaps that he was given. I don't have the snap counts, by the way. That will likely be next show, or maybe we don't you know, put that in for the preseason. But Deontay Banks played really well. There was a deep down the field pass. Deontay Banks defended it. There was another deep down the field pass. Banks defended it. And the guy just straight up pushed him right in the face. Surprisingly, that was not pass interference, but also not surprising because the refs were terrible. But I'm not going to say that's a reason we lost. But Deontay Banks played really well. Jordan Riley, I thought he played well. Not Dexter Lawrence or Aaron Donald impactful, but I thought Jordan Riley played well, better than my expectations coming into training camp, coming into the preseason. And also Trey Hawkins, I thought he played well. I thought he played well. Yeah, he gave up some receptions, but the key was locking down in man coverage, playing so that the runner does not get past the first down marker if you're seven, eight yards off. And making the simple tackles, too. You have to acknowledge that. Um, you also have to acknowledge, just in the cornerback room, we'll talk about it more in depth, Cordell Flott got hurt. So that's not necessarily a good thing in terms of him trying to make the team as a slot corner. Now, he will make the team, yes, but will he be the starting slot corner? I don't know about that. We'll see over the next two weeks. Taman Fox and Hava Baldonado stood on the edge room. I told you guys about Hava Baldonado. A lot of people 
put him down, laughed at me. Oh, he's an undrafted free agent. He's not going to do anything. He's not going to make the roster. Now, I could sit here and be wrong for taking a victory lap, and he's quiet over the next two weeks. Hasn't really had that much of an impactful camp. But arguably, he should have had two sacks. Arguably. That roughing the passer call was the most bullshit call I've ever seen in some ways. Maybe other ways, people will say it's roughing the passer because he landed on him. But that counts as a sack to me. I mean, how are you going to sit here, sack the quarterback, but try to, like, disjoint yourself so you don't land on him with all your weight? That's what I think is stupid. That's why I think, you know, the NFL has kind of gone out of their way just to make the game harder for pass rushers, edge rushers, and anyone sacking the quarterback just for, quote-unquote, player safety. But Baldonado stood out. He missed one or two tackles when defending the run, but I think if he secures those tackles, we could be talking about a guy who sneaks into the edge room. And Tamon Fox, I thought he played well too. Two quarterback hits, uh, not much defending the run. But you can thank him as to, I would say, 50% of the reason that Jason Pinnock got his pick. Jason Pinnock with the 50 and then Tamon Fox just dipping the edge and hitting Nate Sudfeld. So, you know, we'll uh, we'll see what happens at edge room. I want to talk about the inside linebacker depth. Ooh, it's scarce. It is scarce, scarce, scarce. Micah McFadden played decently. Carter Coughlin. Nothing too much to take away in a positive light. Negative light, the thing with him, he missed a couple of tackles against the run. And the problem with him that I, I've seen this since 2021 when he was converting there, is he would miss a tackle and then fly like a boomerang. He would try to make the tackle and then he would just end up on the other side of the field because he falls that much. Now, it's not a balance issue. I guess it's a misuse of speed for him. But that doesn't say anything good for him or this linebacker room. I'm going to tell you right now. I was not impressed at all with Cam Brown. He bit way too much on play action. Way too much. And that's not a good thing. Now, one or two plays, short yard situations, fine. But constantly, 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 you saw the tight end leak out and get a reception. If it was a wide receiver, you'd see him get a reception. But mostly tight end or else we would not be talking about Cam Brown biting a play action. So, we could sit here and say, oh, you know, Cam Brown hasn't had a ton of defensive experience. You got to play up to it. You got to play up to it. And the two undrafted rookies who we've done roster bowl videos lately on, Dante Johnson and Troy Brown, those guys, not much impact. Not much impact at all. So, we'll see what happens. I think the Giants will be dumpster diving at the waiver wire for another linebacker because if beavers isn't healthy god forbid okiriki goes down or you have michael mcfadden goes down you don't want any of those guys starting games those are special teamers and backups backups of the backups also as well cornerback depth before we get into special teams radarius williams money or warrior jamon green zion gilbert and darren evans I didn't see anything remarkable out of this cornerback room. Zion Gilbert gave up the two-point conversion. I just didn't see a lot. Rodarius Williams still doesn't know how to tackle. Gave up a reception, missed a tackle. 
So in terms of that, I think the Giants better hope that Aaron Robinson comes back healthy because you could look at four or five guys right now that are corners, right? You got Cordell Flott, Darnay Holmes, Trey Hawkins, Deontay Banks, and Adoree Jackson. If you want to secure yourself with another corner, Aaron Robinson could be that guy. Aaron Robinson can actually tackle. The problem is he can't stay on the field. And, once again, he's a slot corner and outside corner, so he's versatile in that area. But if the Giants don't get him back sometime soon, you could be looking at either one of these guys by an inch making the roster or the waiver wire again, where they do pick up a guy like Justin Lane or another Jason Pinnock like last year. So that's it for the defense. Let's go into special teams. I'm not going to talk about the elephant just yet. No action in the return game whatsoever. Let's look at the averages. Let's start there. Jaden Mickens, a return for 18 yards. Eric Gray, three returns for 62 yards. His longest was 22. He also had a good return that was past the 30, but it was brought back by a penalty, so that's no surprise to anybody. But he averaged 20.7 yards per return. And then on punts, he had four yards per return, two returns total. I think they got to put either Deshaun Corbin or Khalil Pimpleton out there because we could say so much about the kick and punt coverage that will impact so many jobs on this roster. Deontay Johnson, Troy Brown, Troy Brown, Cam Brown, Tamon Fox, a bunch of different guys, right? We could talk about that for days on end. But the Giants have not had a serious returner and a stable returner for a few years, arguably since Dwayne Harris. Now, last year, you had Brightwell, who stayed there the whole year. Average, at best. 21 yards per return, I think the numbers were on him. You would like it to be around 25. 23 and up. My honest opinion. And I'm not a big special teams guy. But the return game needs to get better. You have a lot of guys in that room. Wide receiver, a corner or two, that can return kicks and return punts Eric Gray like in the running game not much explosiveness other than that one big one but once again that doesn't count because it was called back by a penalty and Jaden Mickens where nothing happened for him and basically that is the only way he's going to make the roster is via kick return and he wasn't very good in that asset crucial mistake by David Sills he tackled one of the returners I believe was Maurice Alexander before the 15-yard line. Great. What was the problem? Well, he held him by his face mask. Tackled him by his face mask. Pretty obvious. Penalty. And that was 15 extra yards for the Lions. Not ideal. But let's talk about the big elephant. The 95-yard punt return touchdown. You probably just gifted Maurice Alexander a roster spot. If not on the Lions, on another roster. Um... I don't understand why special teams has been so terrible. I really don't know why. We could chalk it up to a lot of different things. The coordinator, a missed execution somewhere, missed tackles, personnel, whatever the hell it is. Apparently, there was only 10 men initially on the field. That's not the first time that's happened with the Giants the last two years. That's not the first time. That's unfortunate. That's on the special teams coordinator. That's on the players. Obviously, it's a team effort. Special teams 
is the name of that asset of football. But here are a couple of players, apparently, that were on the return unit in terms of punt coverage that missed tackles and missed opportunities to get Maurice Alexander. David Sills, Jamon Green, undrafted free agent from Michigan. Cordell Flott, Tommy Sweeney, let's see, number 20, Imani Aruarie, Deontay Johnson, Troy Brown, Cam Lyons, Bryce Ford Wheaton. You notice a bunch of those guys need to make the roster via special teams, right? And it doesn't look like they will. Unless the special teams unit is just wow, 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 great in the next two games. A lot of those guys are not making the roster. Tommy Sweeney, I mean, yeah, he caught the touchdown and all, but the only way you're making the roster is via special teams. Jamon Green, Troy Brown, Deontay Johnson. Those are guys that needed special teams on their positive side. And people were saying on Twitter, and I think Howard Cross said it, and listen, I'm not a big special teams guy. Oh, Jimmy Gillen, he outpunted his coverage. I mean, the punt was inside the 20. He had a few nice punts, and we're going to rip on him and not the coverage unit. And even if he did outkick his coverage, they had multiple opportunities to tackle him. So that really didn't make sense to me. I'm not going to say that Jamie Gillins is an all-pro punter, but let's relax. Let's focus on the actual wrongful you know, play at hand, for lack of better words. Now let's go into overreaction time, and then we'll do stock up, stock down to finish up. Is Eric Gray as slow as we saw in the game against the Lions? I would give him a few weeks. I would give him a few weeks. In the Senior Bowl, he didn't look great. In college, a different story. In this game, not great. I'm going to wait on it. I'm going to wait on it. We'll see what happens in camp. We'll see what happens in the other two preseason games where he probably will get a lot of snaps. Bryce Ford Wheaton is overhyped. I'm going to go ahead and say yes off of one game. Other than a few nice catches in camp, has been quiet. He does not fit the offense. Sorry, he does not fit the offense. I know a lot of people say, oh, he's going to make it over Colin Johnson. I don't think so. And even if Colin Johnson doesn't make the roster, I don't think Bryce Ford Wheaton's making the roster. I'm just speaking honest facts. Drop issues. Goes back to college. Not being able to beat press coverage. Goes back to college. We saw that when he shoved a guy to the ground for an offensive pass interference. Fell down. Not an issue going back to college, but can't do that when you're trying to make the roster as a 6th, 7th receiver. Waiver wire time. O-line and inside linebacker. Overreaction? No, I don't think so. I think it's very real. I think the Giants need a 4th inside linebacker, maybe even a 5th. Someone who's got solid experience can come in, play some nice ball. And then O-line. I think they will need to go and attack that, whether it's interior, exterior too. Offensive tackle needs to be addressed as depth. So a guy gets cut, you might want to pick him up. Now, as I said earlier, you might want to do that starting now. Start testing a couple of guys. I know it's not going to be good in terms of chemistry for the guys you do keep, for the Lemuse, the world, the Jack Andersons, the world, whatever the case may be. But would you rather sit here and say, okay, we got to look at the short-term chemistry of these O-lines, even though these guys aren't going to play with each other again after this summer? Or would you rather say, look, we got to see what happens in terms of depth tackle. We got to go out there and sign some free agents, cut some guys early 
before anything. And this next one, I don't think is an overreaction. I don't think so. Marcus McKeithen and Josh Zudu should see time at offensive tackle this summer. I absolutely believe that. I absolutely believe that. I do, I do, I do. Marcus McKeithen, he'll probably play next week. Start playing him at tackle and guard. Cross-train him. Because if he played decent at tackle last camp, and yes, he's coming off of an injury, so you can't necessarily rely on those expectations maybe you had last year, maybe at half of those. But if this is what the depth looks like, and you're not necessarily putting in a Zudu right away as the starter, whether it's Glowinski or whatever the case may be in the interior, Bredesen, JMS, Glowinski, and you see a Zudu on the bench, you can cut the rotation crap and just say Azudu's our swing tackle. He played there in college. McKeithen played there in college. So it's not foreign to them. See what they could do. See what they could do. Against the Panthers and against the Jets. The Jets, I think, will be playing most of their starters. Not Aaron Rodgers, but they will be playing most of their starters in week three. To my knowledge. To my knowledge. So, Zudu, McKeithen, maybe line them up there against the starters. See how they play. At least, if you're not going to go out there on the waiver wire yet, or sign a backup tackle and cut Davis and Cunningham, at least go out there and say, look, we're going to cross-train McKee, then we're going to cross-train Azudu, and we're going to see what they look like at tackle. Alex Cook, Bobby McCain, to take Nick McLeod's spot safety depth is solid. I don't think it's an overreaction to see Bobby McCain taking McLeod's spot because I think he could play a little bit more in terms of different areas, Bobby McCain. He could play in the box. He could play in the slot. He could play outside a little bit, and he could also play deep safety. Had four interceptions two years ago for Washington. I believe two were against the Giants, believe it or not. Jake Fromm is the quarterback. But however, going back to the central point of this, I do think he could take McLeod's spot, considering the fact that A, he was playing with the ones and twos, and B, McLeod's injured for this game, and McCain got a lot of playing time. Alex Cook, I think he could increase his value. I think he may make another roster. If he doesn't, I think he goes on the Giants practice squad because he looked really good. Now, he's a one-dimensional player, doesn't do much outside the box, but I think he can make the practice squad. Giants better hope all three backup D linemen are healthy. Now, that's an underrated concern I didn't talk about. For the reason that Jordan Riley was out there, you didn't see Nacho, you didn't see Sean, and most of these guys are getting cut anyway. But if you are keeping six, seven defensive linemen, which I highly doubt at this point, if you are keeping those guys, you got to go to the waiver wire because Brandon Bryant, Kevin Atkins, Donovan Jeter, they did not play well. They didn't play well defending the run. Yeah, this many yards per carry, whatever, you know, three-point whatever the Lions had, but um, they didn't play too well. They were getting moved off the ball. And I don't think Wink was too happy about that. So with the scarcity in terms of the back room for the Giants' D-line depth, I think Jordan Riley is now a lock to make the roster, unless DJ Davidson comes back soon. Special teams sucks again. That's no surprise. That's no surprise. I don't think that's an overreaction. I really don't. Because seen it a hundred times. Seen it a hundred times the last few years. 
Someone put out a stat under Dan Duggan's tweet. I was laughing my ass off. The Giants were 10th in special teams in 2021. First of all, what does that matter to now? Second of all, no, they weren't because they were a terrible unit. They were an absolutely awful unit at the time. But special team sucks again. That can be attributed to the players, but Thomas McGahee has been here since the Shermer regime, and I have no idea why he's still here. Roster bubble, stock up, stock down, stock up. Papa Baldonado, Tamon Fox, Cole Beasley, Alex Cook, Tommy DeVito, Ja'Shawn Corbin, Bobby McCain. Stock down, Wyatt Davis, Corey Cunningham, entire cornerback room for the roster bubble guys, Bryce Ford Wheaton, and backup linebacker outside out. Outside of uh, Michael McFadden. So that's a show for you guys. Like, comment, subscribe to all the good stuff. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops, view drops. Appreciate all coming back. In terms of content regarding this podcast, we'll have one out next Tuesday. I'm going to interview Dean Jones, who we had on last year for the Panthers preview in week two. Going to talk to him a little bit. And, um, you know, he'll give us the insight regarding Bryce Young and all these different guys. They play the Jets this week. So if you guys want to see anything in terms of, hey, you know, how this guy plays, whatever, little preview, watch a Jets game. Like, comment, subscribe, build the good stuff. Five star rating on Apple Podcasts. Remember, guys, $20 off your SeatGeek tickets for concerts, MetLife Stadium parking passes, or regular game tickets. Promo code Big Blue in the Bronx. Peace out, y'all. See you later. Let's go Big Blue.